Hello and welcome to this premiere edition of Apocalypse Bunker Discs. Well, let's face it, the desert islands are being swallowed by rising sea levels, and the few that remain are being converted into luxury Mervyn Pick Hotel resorts. The 21st century castaway is far more likely to find themselves marooned in an apocalypse bunker. And with those nuclear storms playing havoc with the telephone lines up above, it's inevitable that Wi-Fi rationing will have to be enforced. About 200 megabytes, I'd guess. Just enough to download 10 songs and a very low definition movie. I am your subterranean guide, Oliver Turtle, and each episode I'll be inviting a new guest to be my prospective lock away and tell me about the 10 songs they'd take down with them to the vault. Anyone can appear on the show, but there will be a slight bias towards selections that are surprising, profound, arcane. To rendezvous with my debut guest, I am venturing into the depths of the very bunkerish Barbican Centre in London. I first encountered him when he was the proprietor of a pastel green tea room, come time capsule, above the door of which hovered a clock with no hands, and a sign that declared, invitingly, time for tea. I knew that he would be perfect to serve up a saucerful of sonic surprises, introducing Johnny Vercutra. Hello, Oliver, and thank you for this chance to... Uh brainwash people with my kind of music have you got your first choice ready so my first choice of the evening is a song by a johnny layton and it's called johnny remember me it's uh-huh. all the, the two johnnies and um i like this song because when i was about seven or eight i grew up in tottenham and my parents had a seven inch copy of this which i scribbled my name onto of course and remember playing it and how enchanting and haunting it sounds purely because of the fact that Joe Meek recorded it in a old Georgian or Victorian building in Holloway and he would have musicians in various rooms in the house and I think probably that the backing vocalist would have been in a bathroom hence the haunting ghostly sounds I hope you enjoy When the mists are rising and the rain is falling And the wind is blowing cold across the moor I hear the voice of my darling The girl I love and lost a year ago Yeah, I love that kind of galloping rhythm it has that dum da lum da lum da lum no it's very it's very, something from a western film yes you can almost see the prairie moon up above uh, while he's riding along and singing that song on the back of a horse but obviously it was in <laughs> Holloway Road yes not very uh, western or dangerous well, well quite dangerous I grew up around there but it, yeah not very exotic of course yeah Johnny yeah, yeah Johnny, hey. Johnny and, a, well Johnny was a very uh, popular post-war name I think um and it's very, lots of rock and roll stars were called Johnny. 
And of course, you've got the very uh, mean and infamous Johnny Cousins in a film called All Night Long, starring Dickie Attenborough as this entrepreneurial high-flying businessman with the warehouse on the South Bank. And he says, hey, I'm having a party tonight. And uh, Johnny's coming over. He calls Johnny Dankworth. And then he says, mm-hmm. uh, Dave's coming. And Dave Brubeck is there in his house jamming. But the main character of the film is this evil sm- pot-smoking man who stirs a lot of trouble up called Johnny Cousins. Among the guests is Johnny Cousin, Rex's drummer, a brilliant musician, but utterly ruthless in his struggle for success. Look, Delia, you're not the kind of girl to wait in the wings. You want to work. You want it so much. You can taste it. But, Johnny, you don't need me. Yes, I do. That's exactly what I do need, Delia. This is... And, that's, and he's played by Patrick McGowan. I, I highly recommend this film. If you like jazz and you like black and white British films, it's amazing. Yes, I mean, just glancing at the cast, there's people like Charles Mingus in it as well, and it looks like quite a... Yeah, well, all these high-flying, successful jazz musicians are in it playing jazz, which is what they do best. I don't disagree. So, um, I mean, I have another side question for you. I mean, with this apocalypse bunker idea, have you thought about how you might um, decorate one? Oh, wow. Of course, one should uh, decorate a bunker as you do in the Barbican with 70s reproduction wallpaper. Ah, okay. Mm. Yes, I can see that translating well. Lots of gold and Ah, grey and and green, like the writer. Uh, My favourite shade of green at the moment is lichen green, actually. Ah, okay. And of course, grey is good whatever whatever shade, you know. Mm. I think my Jaguar is a lavender grey. Ah, okay. Mm. So what type of music would you listen to in your Jaguar? Oh, it's, it's, uh, lots of John Barry. You know, you've got to feel like you're James Bond when you're flying around London in, the, in, a, in a saloon that can do 75, 80 miles an hour. Mm, and that's off, just... off on a mission always, you know, <laughs> down to Waitrose, uh, you know, to get that mm. all-important, you know, banana and some hummus possibly. Banana and hummus. Oh, well, oh, not together, dear boy. I'm not that racy, you know. Well, which which John Barry track have you chosen to well, enjoy? Well, the second your... John, the second track of the evening is a John Barry track, but it's actually my researcher has informed me that it's not actually John. But he had a pseudonym of Michael Angelo and his orchestra, and the track is called Tears, which is very haunting. And it's from a soundtrack of a film called The Roman Spring of Mrs. Stone. how you have the the very uh, kind of airy and sort of whimsical alongside that very kind of slow and sort of sedating oh, and, string and, sound. And the strings are so mm. melodic and mm-hmm. sedate. I mean, I suppose if you're in an apocalypse bunker, you're 
You need sedation. I, yes. You would, you would need lots <laughs> of sedation. I'm sure you can, I can imagine yes. you sort of uh, on your chaise longue, which I think we can arrange. I, I have uh, a, a Herman Miller chaise longue, actually. I see. Well, yes, it was designed. It was designed, in fact, by Herman Miller for Eames for Billy really? Wilder. So that on set of Some Like It Hot, he could have a nap. But because of this design of it, you couldn't sleep that long. Yeah, that's a little bit of a design uh, fact mm -hmm. for you uh, mid-century geeks out there with black leather, of course. I oh. Well, we're surrounded by black leather. Oh, so be careful. <laughs> you'll give people the wrong impression. Oh, we wouldn't want to do that. Um, <laughs> so where, where, where do we go from there? So, do we have something a little more... The upbeat. next, the next track is not so upbeat, hmm. yeah, but it is a very satirical song by the master Sir Noel Coward, and it was written in World War Two when the British were afraid of being rude about the Germans, even though they were bombing us day and night. And it's called "Don't Let's Be Beastly to the Germans." I hope you like it. <laughs> Don't let the beast little the Germans When our victory is ultimately won It was just those nasty Nazis who persuaded them to fight And their Beethoven and Bach are really far worse than their bite Let's be meek to them and turn the other cheek to them And try to bring out their latent sense of fun Let's give them full air parity And treat the rats with charity But don't let the beast little the Hun Apparently, when Noel Coward first performed that, um, Winston Churchill heard it and he asked for several encores. But uh, when it was recorded and released to the public during the war, there was quite a, a sour reaction to it. And it can be, can you believe it? Noel Coward can be considered to be one of the early band enfants terribles of music. Well, I think I think he achieved a great thing because... The great British thing is that we've created in history is satire or satirical humour. And satirical humour is very clever at pointing out maybe political or social problems without being too serious. Because people will always turn away from something that's too serious or too um, oppressive or whatever. So if you turn it into a bit of a joke, society can laugh about it and talk about it. And so they're aware of something that... that needs to be discussed without you know getting too upset about it i think i would be able to guess i think purely from the choices so far that you're probably wearing some um one and a half inch width ochre braces with a pair of high-waisted treble pleat um gray speckled wool trousers with a two-inch turn-up very good description mm. i like it that's perfect thank you how would you um, flesh out your uh, self-portrait in music? Uh, my next choice is a track by a French composer called Michel Legrand, who taught at the Conservatoire Paris. And this track is a theme tune, the intro theme tune to a great Joseph Losey film, Gene, another genius filmmaker, and the film's called Eve. I'm not that crazy on the film compared to other Losey films but mm. like I said this piece of music is very experimental for its time I think Legrand Le was quite a genius he also wrote the soundtrack for The Umbrellas of Cherbourg you can always imagine people sort of bathing with covered in rose petals 
Oh, how exotic. I like the sound of that. I love many of his films, and he had a, a very interesting relationship with Dirk Bogard. He was in The Servant. Well, if, if I was asked to pick my probably my mm. favorite all-time film, it would be Joseph Losey's The Servant, a screenplay written by Harold Pinter, starring Dirk Bogard, mm. and of course the most beautiful woman of my childhood, Miss Wendy Craig. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, also James Fox. James Fox. Oh yes, of course. In fact, he's in very... fact, the very first role. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that in, his introducing first? James oh, Fox? Okay. Mm. Which kind of adds another layer to it because mm. in the film, Dirk Bogart is kind of. It's all about manipulation yeah. of uh, roles, mm-hmm. and 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 yes, power games. You've got a guilty secret. It shall be caught. I'm coming to get you! <laughs> I'm creeping up on you. I can smell a rat. But um, I think that's another song I can imagine you kind of marauding around in your, your Jaguar too. My, my grey 1954 Jaguar, her name is Grace. Ah, and I like okay. to drive Grace quite fast and quite hard. She's built for it, you see. She's got curves like a woman. And um, she does like to be driven to the limits, you know, like, like a lot of women I know. And um, I drive around uh, whilst listening to very good jazz, of course. And, and that ties into our next track, actually, because uh, the song I like to play whilst driving the most is a song by Sir Johnny Dankworth mm-hmm. and Dame Cleo Lane. Um, now, I... I've I purchased Johnny Dankworth's car when he when he passed away about 10 years ago and it's a 1951 convertible two-seater Daimler Barker Special Sports and um, I'm most proud to be the owner of his car which I'm currently restoring and um, I met Dame Cleo Lane at Ronnie Scott's about 10 years ago um, and her and her son Alec gave me a full rundown of how they came to own the car and how Johnny loved it. But sadly, he only drove it a couple of times and he passed away. Mm. And so I got to see um, Johnny and Cleo perform at the BBC British Jazz Awards about 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. 11 years ago, just before he died. So I saw them perform, and um, this next track is called The Exciting Mr. Fitch. Life was a placid boat and oredom And I was bored right to my cordon Till he came by and made his pitch Now it's inviting Thanks to the exciting Mr. Fitch
there's a real kind of charisma to the orchestration, isn't there? Yes, it's very sort of, uh, you can you can see the secret agents zooming around in their sports cars, chasing each other whilst listening to that song. And of course, you know, the uh, sound of champagne popping. Oh, I love that line as that well. That line, yeah. yeah champagne replaces pain and teardrops. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> lyrics. <laughs> and, um, yeah, we haven't spoken too much about you i think we're getting an idea of who you are from the songs but um maybe maybe more to the lines of who i'd like to be (laughs) yes but you've worked quite a lot in the music business i gather i've had i've had my uh brief stint of managing a pop band uh for a while um and that was fun and i used to play the a, a couple of water egos for the band who wrote songs uh, about the alter ego. So I'd appear on stage in various guises, um, including a rubber dress, but dressed as a superhero, of course, with yellow hair, who would fly around the world saving people. And his name is Johnny Chrome and Silver, which uh-huh. is my DJ name. Um, and I, I had lots of fun doing that. But of course, you know, those days must come to an end. Must they? Well, sometimes, sometimes they must, yes. Do you have a piece of music from that era that you feel is representative of that time for you? Well, that the Britpop days were, I think, very exciting to be in London, to be um, close friends with people like Pulp and Elastica. And uh, another band I was very close friends with, who the next track is by, were called Black Box Recorder. And this song is called The Art of Driving which is something I know lots about. You're quite precocious. I know which buttons should be pressed. Let's go out driving. I'll wait till you've passed your test. We can get the hood down. Throw away those learned plates. You've got the hang of steering. Now try stepping on the brakes. You've been driving me to Stylish. It very kind of reminded me of uh, maybe like a Serge Gainsbourg. Well, or Charlotte, actually. I think Charlotte, Charlotte Gainsbourg think? was very influenced by that band. And they were made up of various artists, one of them being from uh, a band called The Auteurs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they were, I, I used to in, in, enjoyed uh, working with them, uh, knew them quite well, and listening to their wonderful music. Um, you, you were telling me um, earlier. There's a song by Aphex Twin, which was in fact inspired and named after you. Well, not not quite inspired. Okay. I'm not quite <laughs> so strange. But Chris Cunningham was an old friend of mine who I used to occasionally help out with special effects and, and just hang out with him. And I took him to his first fetish club at an armoured car many years ago and I was hired... Uh, by the person that ran the club to park my armoured car outside as you do Mm -hmm. and I was at Chris's during the day and I said to Chris would you like to come along and he said yes I've never been to anything like that and of course uh, he brought along a book just in case it got boring of course and um, and I lost him quite fast but then from that day on my nickname was Rubber Johnny because I would wear this rubber dress as an alter ego uh, with yellow hair and then suddenly about, I think it's like seven or eight years ago, a track came out by Aphex Twin called Rubber Johnny. 
so I'm most proud to be named after that song, oh. which is very surreal and strange. It's a great piece yeah. of work. Chris mm -hmm. is a genius. And we, well, actually, yeah, well, I art directed a video for him uh, oh, okay. for the auteurs called Back With The Killer Again. And it was shot in Shenley Mental Asylum, Ooh. literally as it was closing. And, and the wing, the de we, were, we were filming in a, a wing that was empty. But next door to us, there were still inmates there. And it was the most disturbing few days of my life. Um, so it created quite an atmosphere, let's say, on set. Right, well, you could do it here. Yes, okay. yes. We, when we would turn up in the mornings, we would have sort of various cries out of the window of, by, by the patients. And we weren't sure if they were serious about it or not. And it was all quite surreal. Well, um, let's calm things down a little bit. I, I think you have something closer to your heart. Yes, uh, my mother in 1978, I believe that was the year Elvis died. And at that particular year, I was probably about 12 or 13. And we were on holiday in Cornwall, as we would go as a family every year. And I remember that particular year, my mother read in the newspapers that he died and cried all day long and was mocked for crying all day long. And I was the one who sympathised for her because I knew how special Elvis Presley was. And when, when he died, it was like a martyr had died. So my next track is Suspicious Minds by Elvis Presley. Why can't you see What you're doing to me When you don't believe a word next song is by um, Anita O'Day, who was a very prolific female jazz singer from the 50s. And this particular song is from an amazing uh, film shot on 16mm in, I think, 1959. And it's from the Newport Jazz Festival. And she comes on in the most glamorous of outfits and sings the most amazing song, the uh, most amazing version, let's say of T for Two. Picture me up on your knee, cheeky for two and two, but you can't let you see how happy we could be. Nobody near us, see us here, it's crazy, we don't have vacation, we'll have it now. We own a telephone there. Don't break and you wake me to bake a sugar cake and you to take for all the boys to see. We would dress badly, boy, for you get a for me, can't get the conk happy, we could be with three. Wow, I must confess, when you said tea for two, I mean, I guess everyone's familiar with that tune. I wasn't complete expecting to be blown away like that. She was so um, up tempo, very uh, beyond mm. up tempo. Oh. I think she was. Beyond tempo, yes, that'll do. <laughs> yes. It almost reminded me of, uh, do you know, Screaming Jay Hawkins? It's almost like the effect he has when he performs, just yes. the explosive energy and a kind of ability to reach levels that not everyone can. No, she's definitely good at the scatting, I believe it's called. 
Yes, that is the term. Mm. So, and of course, that harks back to our first meeting at Time for Tea. Of course, Tea for Two and Time for mm. Tea. Did oh. you um, used to play music in the? Tea I did. Gym? Yes, yes. I used to play lots of that kind of thing, jazz and. Did you used to play things more for yourself, or was it more just oh, to create that? Of course, that? No, it's oh, always of course. for me. I, uh, why play? You can't. If you had to uh, pick a genre or taste of music for other people i don't think you would uh you can't please all of the people all the time as they say my friend runs a charity shop and uh, i used to quite enjoy making playlists just to um scare shall we say the people that would visit the shops and uh, there was one i particularly like the effect of called shoplifters by the scottish singer ivor cutler and uh, so if someone would open the door, then they'd hear this uh, call of shoplifters. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, I think, you know, music should stir people's minds and imaginations and make them question. Mm. Well, that's what Apocalypse Bunker Discs is all about. That's what it's all about right here, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I believe the next performer is someone who's a real idol of yours and many others he i believe he is the unsung hero of british entertainment his name is anthony newley he co-wrote um the soundtrack for willy wonka and the chocolate factory with leslie brickus mm -hmm. he wrote the lyrics for a lot of very famous songs including goldfinger Okay, I didn't know he could. Mm, and Anthony Newley was also the person who inspired the singing style for David Bowie. He also, mm. believe it or not, inspired Michael Jackson with his dance moves. No one knows this, of course, but I have researched this man quite heavily, and his talents are endless. One of the best films produced uh, with him in the leading role is called The Very Small World of Sammy Lee, yeah. where he plays like um, uh, a compere for a strip club and manages to get a gambling debt of a whole £200, which was a lot of money then. Hello, Mr Connor. Well, now, there's a funny thing. I was just about to call you. I look in my little book and I see I owe you 200 quid. 300 quid. Well, I... Uh... I really ought to think about settling up with you, didn't I? I mean, it's been how long? Two months? Six months? Well, our time flies, eh? Barney Thompson, yeah, I know all about Barney Thompson. Yeah, he's got 24 stitches in his head. And he only owed you 200 quid. Certainly I can multiply. Sammy. Joe, listen. So he tries to duck and dive around Soho to raise the money before, of course, the Crims, you know, catch up with him in the Mark Seven Jag at the end. And, of course, beat him to a pulp. It's one of the great sort of Soho films, oh. isn't it? it has well, the opening scene a is a panning shot of uh, all the shop fronts of Soho in the 1960s with black and white. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So which, um, which song from his... Well, this catalog? particular track was an album he did with Leslie Brickers, who I had the pleasure of meeting a few years ago. And it's called I Guess I'll Have to Change My Plan. I guess I'll have to change my plan I should have realized there'd be another man I overlooked that point completely Until the big affair began Before I knew where 
I was at I found myself up on the shelf And that was that I tried to reach the moon But when I got there All that I could get was the air My feet Yeah, the, the reason I like this album is because it has a very melancholic style a very jazzy melancholic style to the entire album whereas a lot of his other stuff he did was more pop upbeat kind of music like Pri- private on private on parade i think was one of them mm-hmm. um pop goes the weasel things like that and he was a very good pop singer but i think the stuff he loved to do was the more emotional melancholic stuff well it's come to that time we're going to have to choose your last Apocalypse Bunker Record, the the megabytes are drying up. My final song for the evening is Matt Munro, and it's a song called On Days Like These, written by John Barry, again. Uh, and it's the lovely introduction, introductory music to the sports car driving through the Swiss Alps in the Italian job. Ah, well, while I was listening to that, I was picturing myself in the passenger seat with you. (laughs) Um, I don't know, making a a violent turning around a Swiss Alp. Is that... Uh, I, I, I would grip my tyres would grip sufficiently I'm sure I'm sure I'd be okay that song I think was written by Don Black and uh, he he took over hosting um, a radio show on Sunday evenings which started at 11 o'clock and was presented by David Jacobs who I think could be the man who sort of inspired me to listen to this kind of music and I remember once with my daughter and an ex-girlfriend, I he said on his radio show that he was going to see a version of a production of Mac and Mabel with David Soul at a theatre in Croydon. So of course I got my family together and we all got on in the car and went to Croydon to see this production. In I went in the hope of meeting Sir David Jacobs, and of course he's a radio star and I didn't know what he looked like, so. At the end of it, I was walking around trying to eavesdrop on conversations and voices because I knew I'd recognise his voice. And just before we're leaving, I heard his voice. And I said, I, I said, excuse me, sir, but are you that suave, sophisticated DJ on Radio 2 on Sunday nights? And he said, oh, yes. And um, I said, well, I, I want to tell you, you've inspired me to start a club called the Modern Times Club, which plays all your kind of music. And... Um, thank you and then he just walked away he was like um not as pleasant as i would have hoped but then again he was an older man and wanted to get home for his tea and biscuits probably that's quite understandable that's quite understandable yes, yes. i feel like you'd have quite an extensive bookshelf already in your apocalypse bunker what would be some of your your first picks for that 
I do love reading novels by Graham Greene, Patrick Hamilton, um, but at this particular time, if I had to read a book more than once or twice, I think it would have to be more of a biographical book, let's say. And and one of my favourite biographies is about the 1920s-30s director-producer James Whale, who produced and directed Frank... Well, he directed Frankenstein with Boris Karloff in 1933. And this particular biography is written by Mark Gattis, who is an amazing writer, writes the Doctor Who scripts, and, uh, of course, is very famous for League of Gentlemen and 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 Sherlock. So um, that's my first choice of book. And my second choice of book, if I had to have two, would be a book called Special Sound, which is the creation and legacy of the BBC Radiophonic Workshop. Ah, yes, which is presently being used to prop up my microphone <laughs> very professionally. Um, and also has a lovely picture on the cover of the most gorgeous and seductive Delia Derbyshire. Thank you. A real pioneer of electronic music. And had the most sexiest bob, too. Yes, she's got a very sort of prim, quite prim, proper, dare I say, almost frumpy. But ladies, believe us, frumpy is not bad. I feel like if Delia Derbyshire was alive today, she'd be somebody like Grimes. Or do you think someone like that? <laughs> she was very daring. She, was... she broke a lot of boundaries. The one person probably most responsible for the Doctor Who theme tune. <laughs> What film would you have for your bunker if you had to have one on repeat? It would probably be Whistled Down the Wind, which was made by Brian Forbes and Dickie Attenborough um, with Hayley Mills. And it's a, an Alan Bates, of course, and it's a wonderful story, a magical story of some children in the north who find an escaped convict in their barn who wakes up drunk. And when asked who he is, he says, oh, Jesus, because he's obviously got a hangover. And of course, these children think he's Jesus. That's all I'll I tell you about that. It's a beautiful <laughs> film. Everybody wants a bit of cake. Who's up in front of Auntie Dorothy? <laughs> Don't drive me insane. Hey, miss, put that down. Who's this for? Me, it's mine. I'm not talking about that. I mean, to the one. It's for Jesus. Who'd you say it's for, love? Lastly, you're you're sitting in your apocalypse bunker and the, the years are rolling by. If you had to write a message for some future survivors or some chroniclers from God knows where, (laughs) what would you write? Another hero of mine sums it up um, with um, an epigraph. Is it an epigraph? I think they call it Above His Door uh, in Latin, and that is Lawrence of Arabia. If you ever go to Clouds Hill in Dorset, where he lived, which is owned by the National Trust, he had the most simplest and... um, 
basic form of accommodation he had a tiny shed converted into like a one-bedroom house it's just two floors but above the door as you go in it says does not care or something words to that kind so i think that might be my motto of lifetime is does not care does not care well i've certainly cared listening to your selection of music so thank you johnny vakutra for being my first guest on Apocalypse Bunker Discs. Thank you very much, Oliver Turtle, for the pleasure. It was all mine. This has been Apocalypse Bunker Discs, premiere edition. If you too would like to brainwash people with your surprising, profound, arcane music, sound, stories, then please email apocalypsebunkerdiscs at gmail.com with three of your selections and some elegant prose. This is Oliver Turtle, leaving you now. I've got a long staircase to climb.